Getting hitched? There's a podcast for that, and you're listening to it. The Save the Date Wedding Podcast, the number one podcast about all things wedding-y. I'm going to have to get some sort of celebratory, can't even say it, mug to say number one wedding podcast and 100 episodes. That's in 10 episodes time. This is episode number 90 of the Save the Date Wedding Podcast. If you are new to the podcast, well, looky here. You can just go right back and listen to the other 89 episodes of Save the Date Wedding Podcast, and that is my southern accent, and I'm going to faint now because that's what the southern ladies do that talk like this. That is Accents with Alicia. Again, if you're new to the podcast, get used to that because there's lots more of that much to my husband's. Well, I was going to say, not disgust, but he always sort of looks at me and I know I get feedback from some listeners going, well, you really gave a, give those accents a crack. Today is a wedding Q&A Thursday episode where I answer your wedding planning questions. There are heaps to get to today, so I'm not even going to beat around the bush, as we would say. I'm going to get straight to it. I'm going to use every possible second to answer your questions. But first, a little feedback. <laughs> I just lied straight into it. This is from uh, a lovely new Twitter follower, Amanda, at Mob Zero. She uh, tweeted me saying, I've been binge listening since getting engaged a couple of months ago. Keep the shows coming. I'll take all the advice I can get. Oh, Amanda, it's so lovely to have you on board, and I'm glad that you're having a bit of a binge. I think that's actually one of the beautiful things about podcasts. I do this too. I find a podcast and then I become obsessed and I spend all of my days listening and hopefully not getting bored with them. I hope you're enjoying still listening, Amanda. Thank you so much for the tweet, the shout out via the social medias. It's always nice to see those pop into my inbox. I've actually utilized social media this week to share with you, well, to ask you some questions by wonderful Facebook followers I'm sure you're a Facebook follower. If not, get on board. Visit, uh, it's facebook.com slash save the date podcast is where you find me. And what's great is I've been using Facebook as a bit of a sounding board for episode themes and topics, but also doing not surveys because that sounds boring, but asking you questions that I can then bounce off to come back and talk about on the podcast. So among other things, this episode, um, I'm also I'm going to share with you, I asked the question, which we will talk more about uh, very shortly, about what you would do if your bridesmaids truly felt uncomfortable wearing the dress that you have chosen. And the bounce off question is, are you asking for feedback from your bridesmaids or are you just going, hey, wear the dress? So later on in the wedding podcast, I'm going to share with you some of the responses that I received when I asked that question and also give you my thoughts on that. Of course, of course. So let's head to the very first question in Q&A Thursday right now. Food is one of those topics when it comes to weddings that I find it actually really interests me because some people don't see food as a big factor in their lives. Yes, they eat they consume, but they don't think about it often. Now, I am the opposite. I think about my next meal as soon as that first meal has hit my mouth. <laughs> I think about what I'm going to eat for lunch, what I'm going to eat for dinner. So when it came to our wedding, Rich and I were very conscious and aware of providing 
the sort of food that we would be really well proud to present to our guests. And that's not to say, I mean, I've been to lots of weddings where they've done just a standard buffet. The food has been quite nice, nothing that I would rave about. But I've also been to some magnificent weddings where people have really taken the time and care in choosing a caterer that reflects their personal tastes. A few years ago, actually, this is going back quite a long way, when Rich and I first met, my beautiful friend Joy was getting married. And she and her partner, Mark, are absolute foodies. They are the people that, you know, they really know their shit when it comes to good restaurants in Sydney. And they chose to get married at, well, Australia's number one restaurant called The Key. And if you are ever visiting Sydney... Can I say you pop a couple of coins in your purse to save and have a meal at the Key? Because Key is one of those restaurants that is right on the harbour. Google it, please. Have a look at it. It's spelled Q-U-A-Y, the Key, key restaurant, not the, just Key. And it overlooks the Opera House and the Harbour Bridge. I mean, you've already got a million dollar view there, but the food is exquisite. And food was really important to them and they had hired this beautiful it's like a bubble it's a small room that you you sort of go up some spiral staircases and you are sitting above the harbor and i think there were 20 people maybe 30 maximum at this wedding and they totally pulled me a favor and got rich they'd never met rich and again I'm breaking my own rules here, but they invited Rich to their wedding and we just started going out. So it's really lucky we hooked up and got married because this was a pretty special wedding. And what was wonderful about their nuptials is that the food, again, it's very high end, exquisite. It's probably one of the best meals I've ever had. Now, how many weddings have you gone to and said that? But what was really important to them was the food. So they chose a venue and a restaurant that reflected their personal tastes and their expectations of a menu. Now, of course, that experience is very different if you are having 200 people at a catered, a catered function event, a catered function space. Perhaps the potential and expectations that you have for the food aren't going to be in the same realm as Joy and Mark when they chose to spend their wedding budget attending a very uh, highfalutin and stunning restaurant in Sydney, you can't really compare that to somewhere where you are having a big, huge um, event with a lot of different people. So my point for that is, if food is really important to you and having that sort of meal is important to you and you would rather spend, I don't know, your catering budget going to that sort of venue, but then exchanging that for having a quarter of the people, that's a big decision to make. And it's a decision to make earlier on. So when I read this listener Q&A, I just thought I'd have to, I just really wanted to share that with you because I think when Rich and I both think back at that wedding, we actually use Joy and Mark's wedding as an example when we got married to say, well, we've picked a venue that isn't a restaurant. We are bringing a caterer in but it was very important for us to choose a caterer that had a reputation of well being flexible with their menu that has a wonderful reputation for using good produce and fresh produce and creating seasonal menus so they're not just creating the same dish over and over again which really excited us 
and the caterer that we ended up using were people that had a passion for food and had a reputation in Melbourne that, you know, people knew who they were and not saying this wanky, it wasn't wanky, this is just saying that if you asked people about them, they had a reputation that was very positive. So again, that was our choice. We chose to put more money into the food than we did into decorations. I think you would have known by now listening to the podcast, we did a lot of DIYing. So we saved money in one area to then move into an area that we really wanted to make sure we did properly and didn't cut any corners. So this brings me to a listener email that was sent from uh, Gillian wrote to me via the Save the Date Facebook page. We've got a bit of a Facebook celebration today. That was unintentional. She, uh, I, I, This is a great email. I'm really stoked she shared it with me. She says, My fiancé and I have been pescatarian for six years, meaning we don't eat any meat except for seafood. Even though it sounds a bit hypocritical since we eat seafood, we don't eat meat for ethical reasons. Fine. That is completely your bag, Gillian. Even though our wedding won't be for another year and a half or so, last night I googled vegetarian wedding meals to see what our options are. I'd like the food to be amazingly delicious, a little inventive, but also a little familiar, so as not to scare away or disappoint our carnivorous family, (laughs) many of whom make fun of us for being vegetarians. Or can I just say, as we say in Australia, vegos. Anyway, I came across several articles and comments who called it rude and selfish to have a vegetarian wedding and that it wasn't fair to our guests. Well, can I just say, Gillian, fuck them, seriously. I'm going to get to that. That was a bit too abrasive, but fuck them. Uh, to us, spending our own money to order 385 pieces of meat would be the equivalent of not being a vegetarian for a whole year. Excellent point, which defeats the reasoning behind our decision to be vegetarian in the first place. What do you think? Is it rude and unfair to ask our guests to go meat-free for one night, even if we make sure the food is incredible? We are both super foodies, so we won't be serving any weirdo tofu or iceberg salads. (laughs) We're also open to having a seafood appetizer or entree if it's not cost prohibitive. Thank you. Well, thank you, Gillian, because what you have done there is open the door to this discussion. And firstly, when you go online and you read other people's opinions, and yes, this is probably hypocritical critical from my point of view, because this is a wedding Q&A episode. That is pretty much you asking me my, well, professional opinion on this. But there's a lot of, I was going to make the hand... Can you hear me? I'm doing the the quacky hand movements here. There's a lot of this bullshit talk where people come on and get narky and want to say their opinions, which is fine. They become keyboard warriors and don't think of things from other people's perspective. So when you read people's ideas, I'm guessing that the people that responded to those comments are people that probably have never explored a vegetarian menu and enjoyed a vegetarian menu for how fabulous it can be. Now, I'm a meat eater. I absolutely respect your ethical considerations when it comes to eating meat. And can I just say, I think we should all be very aware of where our meat comes from and hopefully be aware of not supporting mass farms that make pigs lie down and never get eating never get to stand up and walk around and to not perhaps purchase 
chicken that is full of steroids because that's shit for the chicken and also shit for our bodies. Just saying. So I think being aware of where your produce and meat comes from makes you a good person and should not be ragged on by dickheads on the internet. However, I do believe that you representing your lifestyle and beliefs when it comes to your wedding day is absolutely what the day's about. This is exactly what I am here to do, to encourage you to say, welcome to our world, our celebration of our relationship and what we dig and why we love each other and our lifestyle. Come in, come into our world for one night, take a bit of a step outside of your comfort zone and for fuck's sake, a comfort zone of going Eat some wonderful vegetarian and pescatarian food. Again, as you said, you might be adding a bit of seafood to it. For the love of God, it's not that hard. Rich, my wonderful husband, is a bit of a super meat eater. And when we first met, I was living on my own. And to be honest, I didn't cook meat that often. I liked it, but it's the idea of going, would I cook bolognese for one? Possibly not, unless you freeze it and put it in the freezer and eat it as a leftover. But I started to introduce some meat-free nights, not as a statement, but just going, oh, I cannot be bothered. Uh, when it's my night to cook, I'll introduce something that's perhaps a little less meaty. And I still remember Rich going, well, this tastes really good. Where's the meat? And me going, well, there's no meat. Just get over it for a night. You'll be fine. And the idea that there are so many amazing recipes out there and options for people that doesn't include meat, I think is really exciting. And I also think this is your opportunity to find a caterer that is really swift and good in creating wonderful meat-free dishes. And as you said, you have that time up your sleeves to find that very special caterer that knows how to do this and to present you know, you don't want someone that's going to do a cliched vegetarian meal. And I remember my lovely friend, Becky, is a vegetarian. And she always, whenever we would go, she's a TV producer. And we would go all over the world shooting stories. And whenever she would order, you know, often in pubs and these sort of dodgy places we'd end up, oh, the glamour of television, she would order a vegetarian meal. And it was always sort of like, you know, tomatoes, pasta with plain tomato sauce or pumpkin or squash gnocchi. Now this is all great, but if you're eating it every night for two weeks while you're on location, it gets a little tiring. So my suggestion to you, lovely lady, would be to find someone that is great at doing exactly what you're asking, that is creating expressive, gorgeous, melt-in-your-mouth flavors that don't include meat, to really give your family and friends that wonderful culinary experience and challenge them a little bit, that perhaps they will be able to go home and cook a meal or go to a vegetarian restaurant or choose a vegetarian option on the menu next time they're out and about. I am all about pushing the boundaries. Some people live their whole lives being very comfortable in their own ignorance. And I think in any stage of life that we can perhaps offer someone else a new experience and perhaps offer someone else an experience that's really positive that they might not choose to do, especially at something like a wedding, it is a fantastic opportunity that you must take up. So I beg of you, I beg of you to actually really 
put a bit of time and energy into finding the right caterer and really great, getting a great menu happening, Gillian, and get your get your family and friends to shut up when it comes to teasing you about something that you feel strongly about because I have great respect for people that stand by their guns and stand by their guns was the completely the wrong word to then stand by their ethical choices and actually can share that with other people. So thank you so much, Gillian, for sending that email question uh, or that Facebook question to me. And I hope if you are listening and you have a dietary concern or a dietary choice that you make, maybe you don't, maybe it's not by choice, maybe health-wise you have to live by a certain diet. I think it's really good to be able to incorporate that into your wedding and share it with other people. So now we get to the Facebook question that I asked my lovely, lovely followers uh, very recently. So that the post was actually one of these wonderful Sum E cards. If you haven't visited Sum E cards, they're my favorite thing to send to friends. But it was a picture of some uh, beautiful vintage picture of bridesmaids. And the quote was, I'm attending a beautiful wedding in a hideous bridesmaids dress, which really made me giggle. And then it made me think about our responsibility of being a bride and asking our wonderful friends to be a part of our wedding. And also this sort of bizarre tradition that we have of asking them to wear something of our volition, our choice. Now, again, I've said this before, in Australia and in America and in the UK, we seem to have three very different rules to choosing whether we choose the bridesmaid's dress or you go along together and collectively choose, and then who pays for them. So I'm not really going to talk very much about that, but I know in the States uh, it's quite different to Australia. In Australia, we would often pay for our own bridesmaids' dresses, um, but in America it seems to be uh, a bit different. Again, I'd love to hear what you're doing, especially money-wise. If you are short on coin, do you pay for the dress or do the bridesmaids pay for the dress? These are cultural differences that I'm learning Every day, each country has something a little bit differently. So I asked the Facebook followers, my Facebook followers, are you choosing your bridesmaids dresses or is it a group consensus? Do you think if one of your bridesmaids truly felt uncomfortable in the chosen dress that you, that she would feel confident in letting you know? And I just said, love to hear your thoughts and let it go. So I've had some really interesting responses and it's sort of fun it's a fun question to ask because it really does bring out the bridezilla in people. Not that any of my my actual responses that I've received have been bridezillary, but I do think when it comes to this idea of saying, I have pictured things in a certain way, this is how it's going to be no matter what, it's a little dicey. Before I read your responses, I just want to plant the seed here. If you haven't chosen bridesmaids dresses or gone out on that great shopping trip or gone online and ordered dresses, I really want you to think a little bit about who your friends are, what body shape they have, and how they feel about their bodies. And this is something I feel really strongly about, and that is we don't always feel as comfortable as other people about how we look. And that sucks because this is society making us feel that we shouldn't be happy with who we are. And I'm not saying that we can't be healthier and maybe spend a bit more time looking after ourselves, but we all come in different shapes and sizes. So where I struggle with weddings is this concept of squeezing 
four, three, twenty, whoever, friends into exactly the same dress when we all have different body shapes, different body concerns, and I say that in the sense of internally, which again, I'm not supportive of, but it's realistic. Not everyone loves the way they look, and I wish we did. But as a bride, I think it's very thoughtful and also as a friend to be thinking about what you are choosing and perhaps trying to be a little flexible with what you give them to try on and be a part of your wedding. I think a lot of you out there would never, I would say 99.9% of you would hate the idea of a friend standing next to you up there on your wedding day and her feeling awful inside about wearing a skin tight dress or a short dress. If she's overweight, if she's short or tall or underweight, I'm not even talking about people. This is not necessarily about weight either. I don't want you to think I'm just saying, oh, she's about 10 kilos overweight. She should be just squeezing into my dress. This is not what I'm saying. We all have a different sense of style. I know that my dress that I would choose would be very different to a dress that my dear friend would choose. So this is where I think it comes to being flexible, but also thoughtful in your choice. And also what is extremely exciting now for me and I think for people in the industry is seeing this trend of people not necessarily choosing matchy matchy samey samey dresses and when I say that I mean you can have a color theme but say to your bridesmaids well we're going to have the dresses made I've purchased so many meters or reams of this material you can choose or we can choose together the style of dress that really suits you and then also it's a dress that perhaps they would then choose to wear again in the future you could also choose to have this wonderful mismatched floral look or mismatched colorful look that you're going with the same sort of color theme but different style of dresses really Some of the coolest um, weddings that I've been pinning and and looking at recently have been, you know, the sort of dresses, the bridesmaids dresses where everything is slightly different. I've said it before. I just said to my bridesmaids or bride slaves, as we like to call them, just wear your favorite little black dress because I think everyone out there has a dress that they put on. And it's always black, isn't it? That you go, oh, shit, yes, I feel sexy. This is fitting very well. I can move in it. And it's my thing. Also, I didn't ask them to purchase a dress. I just um, got some matching pashminas, some Aztec print, brightly colored pashminas that I thought were fabulous and said, wear these. That tied them all in together. It was very inexpensive and I think they look great. It suited exactly what I wanted them to feel and to feel comfortable. So that's my little piece about bridesmaids. I really hope that you just spend a couple of seconds thinking about what you think your ladies would like to wear and thinking a little bit about how they feel about their their fashion choices. So I had a couple of great responses I'd like to share with you. The wonderful Emma Block, who she is Emma Block illustrator. She did my new beautiful logo and uh, podcast icon that you're probably looking at right now if you are on your device. She designed it. She is one of these people that is just a very talented illustrator. And if you're looking, look at this. Here's a secret plug I wasn't expecting to do. If you are looking for wedding illustrations, maps, 
portraits to put in uh, your wonderful wedding invitations, look her up, Emma Block Illustration. So Emma is also getting married, which is exciting. And when I asked about about uh, the chosen dresses for bridesmaids, she says, it depends who's paying for the dress. If the bride is paying, it's her choice. If it's the bridesmaids, it should be a mutual decision. My bridesmaids are paying for their own dresses, and I've said I want them to be able to wear the dresses again after the wedding. Good one, Emma. Kate Billings said, it depends who's paying for the dress as to the amount of input. If it's a bride, then the bridesmaids should hush their gums. <laughs> well, that's being added to the list. If the bridesmaids are paying for it, she should have some say. But still, in the end, it falls on the bride to choose. She goes on and says, I have not chosen uh, my bridesmaids' dresses, but my friends uh, all have opinions on the dresses I like already. Well, that's handy. Thank you, Kate for sharing that with me. I think that's a good thing as well. I'm not saying that you have to give them free reign, but maybe you could choose three and you could put it to a small vote. You could do a Facebook poll, a private Facebook poll. Or again, here I always bang on about sharing Pinterest private boards. Perhaps you could pin a couple of styles of dresses and get some feedback. Again, you don't have to listen to them 100%, but it's just a nice way to say, do you feel comfortable showing off your full leg structure or should we go for something a bit longer do you have a friend a bridesmaids with massive norks good for her if she's got big boobs perhaps she won't feel as comfortable wearing something that your friend who has uh, smaller bosoms you know would feel just saying. Claire Willis said, I made sure I asked their opinions on the color before I made a final decision. I asked them to choose their own dress, but I tried to help with a lot of the research in quotes to help them as they needed to be a certain shade. The four girls are wearing a different shade of gray. See, that is a great idea, Claire, because you have sort of a unity in the theme, the color theme, but also you have them choosing something that they really want. She says the girls have also all helped each other with deciding on the style when they narrowed it down. I've had one bridesmaid change dresses to another she felt more comfortable wearing. I figured if they chose the dress, they would feel comfortable and happy. They also decided they would pay for them. I offered though, hey, Claire, you sound like a top bride. I love that you have asked for their input. I love that they've gone now, hey, thanks for that. We'll happily pay for them because we're going to wear them again. See, it's a it's a win 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 situation for you and Claire. That's that's a bloody tops reply, and I love under hers a girl called Stacy Connolly has sent a little emoji kiss, a little, and I have a feeling I would bet fucking one million dollars that Stacy is a bridesmaid who is Claire's bridesmaid, saying thanks a million. What a lovely statement. Finally, uh, Kirsty Arnell. Sorry if I mispronounced that, Kirsty. It's Christy, by the way. So I've mispronounced that too. Uh, Christy says, The first thing my maid of honor said was, Please don't make me wear an ugly dress. I was a bit offended because A, she assumed I'd pick something awful. <laughs> and B, she was more worried about an outfit than my nuptials. Okay. Christy, I'm sorry for calling you Kirsty. Christy, I agree. Potentially, she maybe should have just backed off on that statement and she probably could have said something a little bit more sensitive. But perhaps again, we go into your bride's, your maid of honor's, uh, thought process. I'm sure it's not about you. 
I'm sure she's sort of saying, listen, I maybe not be as comfortable in wearing something that someone else chooses. Again, we must turn the tables and think of it from their perspective that perhaps there are certain body feelings that we don't all share. We all feel differently. Again, so absolutely, yes, Christy, it's one of those situations that we can get easily offended by statements like that. I am sure your beautiful bridesmaid, your maid of honor, I apologize, isn't thinking just about the dress, but perhaps she's a little concerned that, you know, she might not be feeling comfortable on the day. We must always think of our lovely friends. I know it's hard thinking about everyone else all the time. You don't have to do that all the time. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that perhaps in this juncture, just be a little mindful of other people's fashion sense and body image. There it is. Gee, I loved asking you questions on Facebook. I loved how quickly everyone responded. So I'm going to do more of that. And also, if you have more to say about this topic, it's not closed. I would like to share more comments. So if you have a a firm opinion either way, please do get in touch. Until next Monday, episode 91 of the Save the Date Wedding podcast, I hope you have a fantastic rest of the week. If you are new to the podcast, please remember, or if you're not new as well and you haven't done this, subscribe. If you subscribe via iTunes or if you're an Android listener via the wonderful Stitcher or Acast applications, it means that Magic fix Fixies, that's what they're called now, Fixie Pixies, Podcast Fixie Pixies, come and deliver the episode as soon as I post it. So also, it's just nice to see subscribers on my list. I really appreciate it. Thank you so, so much, my lovely listeners, for sharing the podcast with your family and friends. It really does help me spread the word. And until next time, this has been episode 90 of the Save the Date Wedding Podcast. I'm so excited. 90. That's crazy. I bid you happy, happy, happy days. Save the Date Wedding Podcast. Don't plan your wedding without it.